That team sure did suck last night. They just plain sucked. I've seen teams suck before, but they were the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever sucked. Steve Rosenblum. There was a keg stand. I lost to an 81-year-old lady. She got off the main <laughs> floor, and then, and, but I was, it was really close. Mark Grody. I've been waiting to get a hold of this guy for years. Yeah, like like Channel 2 News is out there interviewing people. Yeah, I've been talking to my wife about getting Steve. He wants connected my dots and more to my plate. I'm going to dunk his ass. They suck, so you don't have to. Can't you morons do anything right? Founding members of the WB Club. Smoke weed every day. The three words that describe this show, and I quote. Stink. Stank. Stunk. It's Saturday Suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. Welcome in. Saturday Suckage. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Let's see who else is here. Grobber. It sucks and it freebases. Don Cooper. If I think something sucks, I'll tell you it sucks. By the way, Grobber is going to figure big and later in this hour, oh my goodness, you don't want to miss it. Bring money. Jake Arietta. This sucks. Really, it does. Albert Almora. Damn, Willie, man, like, do we suck? Pat Fitzgerald. Sometimes you gotta embrace the suck. Eloy! Hey, you guys not gonna make anyway. You guys suck. Hey, when when I got trade to the next day, oh, welcome to the suck team. Toby! Oh my god, this suck! Random Bears fan. Terry Moore! Finally made a list of somebody who thinks he sucks besides I do. Liam Hendricks! I wouldn't say seeking perfection, it's just mainly trying not to suck. Julie Swika. Man, that sucks. Happy birthday, Jules. Wilson Contreras. Losing, losing suck. I'll tell you that, and, and that's all I can say. George Went. We had fun, uh, but there you go. I sucked. Garth Algar. Get it off, man! Get it off! It's sucking my will to live! Steve Dahl. sucks! Disco sucks! Candace Parker. Um, I mean, it sucks. Roquan Smith. Yeah, man. Sucks. Tyler Farringal. This show sucks. I don't yeah. know how else to say it. Yeah, well, you got that part right. Did you do that without anyone helping you like last week when Caesar was around pushing buttons? You did okay? No assistance this time. Excellent. Excellent. Welcome in. Welcome to Saturday Suckage. Actually, this is Saturday Schadenfreude. Get to that in a moment. We suck so you don't have to around here. We're broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealer. Our phone number at the score, 312-644-6767. That'll get you to our listener line, powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. That number, 312-644-6767, by the way. Also gets you to the score's tech zone. The tech zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin, 
Save time, shop online at rosenhyundai.com. Like I said, Saturday, schadenfreude. Last week, we did the show, and we had the greatest upset in college basketball history. Fairleigh Dickinson upset Purdue, a 16 over a 1. That had happened before, but this, Fairleigh Dickinson, was the first 16 forced to win a playoff game and then get to the 116 game and then win that. Matt Painter's greatest failure, which is really saying something. But last night came the upset of the tournament, the best upset of the tournament. Despicable Crimson Tide and their talent at aiding and abetting murder and then dismissing the seriousness of it. They got dumped by San Diego State. Dude, 71-64. Brandon Miller, the guy in question who delivered the gun in the fatal shooting, but was pampered and undisciplined by his jello-spined coach, Nate Oates, became only the second player to choke like this. This had to be singled out. The uh, inimitable Jay Kuda noted that Miller last night and Roderick Anderson of Texas in 1995, there's a blasto from the pasto. Kuda noted that they're the only two players to make three or fewer shots while attempting at least 19 shots and turning the ball over five times. Brandon Miller was wearing handcuffs of basketball karma, one might say. Saturday schadenfreude. I'm so overjoyed about this. They made us all feel dirty, Alabama. So good that they lose. Dan Bernstein, Bernsey, Bernstein and Holmes, middays on the score, tweeted this out. It's like Alabama was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. If you know, you know. If you don't know, you need to get up to speed. You need to catch up with the class. According to the NCAA, however the NCAA knows this, the NCAA knows this, 15% of the completed brackets had Alabama winning the whole thing. No, 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 no. By the way, your bracket may be busted, but do you still want to be in on the action? Follow 670 The Score in the Odyssey app to unlock two free months of betting insights from BetQL. Get expert betting trends, modeled best bets, and more. Simply download the Odyssey app, create an account, and follow 670 The Score to unlock your two-free-month trial of BetQL. But here's the thing. They weren't done. We weren't done with the brackets. Right after Bama died, Houston, another number one seed, went down. Miami whomped them, 89-75. So a couple minutes, a couple number one seeds down. Not just a couple number one seeds, though, right? Those were the last two number one seeds standing. This now becomes the first time in NCAA history that no number one seed has reached the Elite Eight. It has happened before where one number one reached the Elite Eight, one and only one. There has never been an Elite Eight without a number one seed until now, and your bracket shows it. So you know what else this means? Are you sitting down? One of San Diego State, Kansas State, Florida Atlantic University, or Creighton will play in the national title game. March Madness, indeed. Just like everyone predicted. Yep. Right. There you go. There's your bracket. So, also while you were sleeping, 
DeMar DeRozan was hurt. His quad became an issue for the Bears at Bulls. <laughs> Anyways, the, the, the Bulls played Friday without DeRozan, and they played the Blazers, who were playing to tank, and they played without Lillard, Nurkic. I mean, they did it's the, the equivalent of mailing it in. The Bulls beat a team, 124-96, that started Ryan Archidiakono. Just to tell you where that stands. Zach Levine made six three-pointers. He led the team with 33 points. Vucevic went for 23 and 15. Kobe White, 19 off the bench. The Bulls shot 17 of 28, 60.7% from three. So DeRozan is, now the Bulls go to L.A. Two very winnable games against teams that are missing LeBron and missing Paul George and missing playoffs perhaps. No DeRozan. They go down there. And the Bulls are in 10th place in the East. They're two and a half games ahead of the Pacers and the Wizards. They trail number nine Toronto by a half game. That's it. And number eight, the Psycho Hawks by one game. Here's the thing. Here's the question. Do you trust Zach Levine to lead this Bulls team into the pity party known as the play-in? Or let me put it another way. Doesn't the $215 million player have to lead this team into the pity party? party? And then doesn't he have to lead them into the adult portion of the program, which is the real playoffs? Isn't this why Arturis paid Levine all that money? If he can't earn it now, then when? Isn't this what he's there for? Karnishevis has inexplicably placed a great emphasis on making the pity party play in. He began the season by saying the Bulls had to win a round, you know, get past last year. They have to get to the second round. And just to clarify, no matter what Bulls BS you want to believe, the pity party isn't a round. I mean, the NBA says so. The NBA doesn't even count it as any statistic whatsoever. It's a play in to the playoffs. It's not a playoff. The playoffs are the playoffs. That's why they call them the playoffs. So for all that money and all the Bulls' needs and all the leadership questions, doesn't Levine have to lead them into, I don't know, eighth, ninth place? Doesn't he have to be the guy who leads them into the next step and then leads them into an upset of a big boy team? This is his time now because, I mean, how many times last year do we see DeMar hit that clutch shot? Now with him out, this is Zach Levine's opportunity to show, all right, I could be the max guy and I'm worth all this money you paid me for. This is exactly the positive, exactly what Zach Levine's here for and exactly what we need to see. The point being, DeRozan in his 1970s game of two-point baskets doesn't fit now if he's not there it will have to be the threes they shot the threes really well against a portland team that can't play basketball certainly not without lillard nurkic but now you have you have zach levine in a place where he has to show what he is see the thing about this is zach levine felt like he became a player when patrick beverly got here patrick beverly can talk and guard people but Zach Levine's the guy who's got to make the threes. 
He's got a guy. He's got to be the guy who leads them. You give that much money to a player. He's got to do. He's got to hit the threes, hit the hard shots. He has to fill in the absence of a guy like DeRozan, who's a pro, who's spectacular. But his game held back the Bulls, always. And now that excuse does not exist. I don't know whether Karnaschavis was inert or inept or both at the trade deadline. And he said, I'm going to take these final games, 28 games, 27 games to evaluate players and to stress player development. Well, the player development part is BS. Or else Beverly wouldn't have been taking minutes at the end of the game that, that Patrick Williams should get. I don't care how good or bad Patrick Williams is. You got to get, you got to evaluate him. You got to get answers. But they're trying to win a game to get into the pity party. So the evaluation isn't going very well from my standpoint. I don't know what Arturis Karnishevis sees, but I do think there's money involved. Couldn't be much easier for them to get into the pity party. Nine regular same nine regular season games left, right? So they get the Lakers twice in four days. LeBron James is out with a foot injury. It's good. All these teams are hurt or have reasons, reasons to tank just like the Blazers. And they're going to take advantage of it. Paul George is going to be out for the next few weeks. The Bulls avoid that. They're going to play the tanking Hornets. Michael Jordan's trying to disengage himself from those Hornets. They're tanking. They suck. So nobody else has to, but everybody else is. Then the Psycho Hawks. You just never know what you're going to get with them. They're going to play the Kyrie killing Mavs. Kyrie Irving has this knack for making every team worse. I don't know how the Warriors won a title with him, but ever before, after, whatever, he's just made him worse. He's created problems. They're not going anywhere, and the Mavs are now in a whole bunch of trouble, and they're sucking like crazy. And the Bulls get to play them. Bulls will play a Bucks team that likely is going to be resting players. I assume their playoff position will be locked in. And then the Sucktown Pistons. So it's a ready-made schedule. It's ready-made to empty fans' bank accounts. See, the play-in has to matter to this team. The pity party that is the play-in has to matter to the franchise. Financially. They're just going to, they want all your money. They want your money now. They're going to hold it for season tickets later. They're going to, that's what they're going to do. A franchise with six Larry O'Brien trophies that covets the 10th seed should be embarrassed. But when there's money involved, when we're talking cash, that's just the way they're going to act. They're going to keep evaluating this. Patrick Beverly is going to be brought in for what? To make the pity party. But you wanted to evaluate Patrick Williams. See, the double talk from AK just doesn't make sense. The way this team is playing, who's playing what and where, just doesn't fit. I don't buy this profile. I think it's a lot of crap, and I think it's financial related. But the one thing that is now apparent, the best thing about DeRozan being hurt, his quad injury, however long it's going to take, Zach Levine... $215 million man, show us what you got. Dare you. Lead this team to something interesting. Get into the pity party and then win a playoff round. 
Otherwise, this is looking like a big financial boondoggle. So I'm Steve Rosenblum. It's Saturday, Schadenfreude, as we talked about with Alabama getting their despicable butts kicked. They're out of the tournament. Here's what else is planned today. Jay Zawoski will be here. Speaking of despicable, the Hawks canceled their pride night for a lame reason. It's embarrassing. But what's really good is we can discuss food with Jay. It's March Fatness, the March Fatness brackets. We can discuss Connor Bedard, the clear number one pick, the franchise-changing player, and his mom had food thoughts. We need to run that by Jay. We also need to run by Jay as part of the I'm Fat podcast. We need to run by him the idea of Scotty Scheffler's master's menu. At 11.40, 11.45, somewhere around there, you won't want to miss this. I'm going to tell you about an auction item, an item up for auction that you won't believe. And you might have to outbid Paul Konerko for it. At noon, we'll talk to, I'll talk to Josh Schrock of NBC Sports Chicago. We are NBC Chicago. We'll talk, he covers the Bears. We will talk about what they've done, where they go from here. I have some baseball stuff. I have some baseball statistics that are wonderful. Rarities, baseball season's coming up. It's all about records, accomplishments, numbers, all that kind of stuff. So I'll talk about why baseball hates kids and Albert Pujols on the bases. It's an unbelievable thing. I never, I can't believe somebody took this time, but you won't want to miss it. 1240 or so, Ryan Horvitt, BetMGM tonight, will be here. Well, we'll make him talk about his brackets. But are there betting opportunities with all of these upsets? Now what do you look for? We've never had an Elite Eight like this. So what does that mean if you're going to put money down? Ryan Horvitt will tell you. 1 o'clock, Trash Panda's supposed to be here. I have no idea. Studzinski and Meatballs is the idea. The Bears are signing all of these local guys. They're building the the best of the mid-suburban league. The I know they're just all these guys. And they could draft one who's dating Cole Komet's sister. There's the thing. And the cultural zeitgeist has a legendary movie and a legendary me- Before we knew what memes really were and the way they became overused, there was one on TV. And we've celebrated the anniversary of that. We'll note that. Take a break. When we come back, March Fatness, Jay Zawoski, the Blackhawks, in, in, in another despicable move, and we will talk to him about that. I'm Stevie Suckage. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Tyler. My, and we need to run a web poll. We need to run a web poll on my rapper name, don't we? Yeah. Yes, we do. Okay, so Dr. Dreidel is a reigning champion. So... Go to 670thescore.com, the, the Twitter, Twitterverse page of the score. Dr. Dreidel or MC Schmaltz? No, Biggie Schmaltz, B-I-G-G-I-E Schmaltz, S-C-H-M-A-L-T-Z. We'll get that up and running. Bigger, yeah. So wasn't that the plan last week, Tyler? Yes, and I blew that one. All right, here we go. There you go. Go to the Twitter at 670thescore.com, and you can vote on whether I should keep my rapper name, Dr. Dreidel, or change it to Biggie Schmaltz. Steve Rosenblum, Saturday Suckage. 
Thank you for joining me. Stick around. It's only going to get better. Well, I'm lying. Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. The thought that he still could return to action for the Blackhawks at some point uh, in March or as we get to closer to April? I truly hope so because if he's playing for us, then that means he's feeling good. And that's what we want. We want Jonathan to feel strong, feel healthy, and feel ready to play because that's what he's working towards right now. And so if, if he's playing hockey, then it means he's in a good spot health-wise, and that's all we that's all we care about right now is getting him in a good spot uh, from a health perspective. So I hope he plays. Yeah, it'd be nice to see him play. Kyle Davidson on Jonathan Taves. Captain Serious. Captain Something's Seriously Wrong. Wow. Never thought it would end like this. Never thought it would go down like this. There's no Kane. There's really no Taves. That's where we are. And they're tanking because they're tanking for a generational player who has, whose mom told us about something that I view as an eating issue. There's only one man to call, the only one man at the nexus of Blackhawks and eating issues. <laughs> I didn't know you were going to bring him up, Tyler. Why don't we get Jay back? Okay, so I screwed that up. I suck. We were, <laughs> we were going to bring him up. And I reached over to hit the button, and the button was already hit. So I apologize, people. With Saturday suckage, I suck so you don't have to. Connor Bedard is the clear number one choice. He's why everybody's tanking. The Sharks, the Blackhawks, the Blue Jackets. So I don't know why the Blue Jackets beat the Sharks the other day. And so all these teams are trying to get into the, to the bottom three where you have a greater percentage chance. And Connor Bedard's mom, Melanie, said this. Talking about her son's nutrition. He's never had fast food. I guess I could stop there, but he's never had fast food. He will at some point, but he hasn't eaten a McDonald's or anything yet. I think we all know when you eat well how you feel, and then we kind of go off the rails. He's aware of that feeling. Jay Zawoski, at the nexus of food and pucks, is this a man the Blackhawks really should bring to Chicago? No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> who was the uh, who was the quarterback that never ate a cheeseburger and then just got into drugs and sucked? Uh, I don't know about drugs. Marinovich, I think it was Todd yeah, Marinovich. He was yeah. Todd Marinovich. Yes, yes, yeah. How yeah, could that you worked not out. eat a cheeseburger? They're all it's, it's the key to it. Oh my god! So I don't know. It he's the guy everybody's tanking for. I don't tell me yes. it's a three player draft. He's the guy. And, it's a two-player draft. Well, uh, all right, fine. For for the sake of argument, we'll say one-player draft. Go ahead. All right. <laughs> Jay Zawoski is with me, a legend on the I'm Fat podcast and part of the, the joyous programming, such as it is, for CHGO Blackhawks stuff. And we're talking about Connor Bedard. The reason they're tanking, the reason everybody's tanking is this guy. So share with the class what it is about this guy. And I don't know. I still had a serious, when, when you have Portillo's and Malnati's and then you have all the regular 
fast food places, I'm afraid for this child unless mom's going to be with him every moment. <laughs> well, Patrick Kane's dad never left his side. He was oh. here pretty much every game and every practice. So, um, you know, maybe maybe the same thing would happen for Connor Bedard here. But uh, this is the best prospect hockey has seen since Connor McDavid. And I believe that when his career is over, Connor McDavid will be among the greatest ever play the game. If you want to use the Mount Rushmore thing, you can. I think he's on hockey's Mount Rushmore. Um, he is that good. I don't know if Bedard is is uh, McDavid good, but if he's a notch below, if he's another Austin Matthews, you can understand why teams are doing what they're doing to try to get him. He has uh, one of the fastest releases on a shot I've ever seen in my life, not just for a prospect, I mean just at all in general. Uh, if you look up his statistics, they're absolutely mind-blowing. He's just He is just scoring at a rate that's that's unheard of, unseen, even at you know the junior level. Um, what he's doing is, I don't want to say unprecedented, but pretty close to unprecedented. He is a surefire number one overall pick and a draft that is loaded with guys who, if they were in last year's draft, there's probably three or four other players that would have gone number one overall in last year's draft. Um, so it is a loaded draft. It's true. To me, it, I, I'm disappointed the Hawks don't get a top three pick. I would be thrilled if they get a top two pick, and I would be ecstatic if they got – Connor Bedard because that just that takes maybe two years off your rebuild and you've got your franchise cornerstone right there they already feel like they have a defensive cornerstone with Kevin Korczynski and then you know you start to fill in all the pieces of the prospects you got in last year's draft and what you're going to get in the next few and things start to look really good really quick do you like Kyle Davidson as a coach um, I mean I'm, I mean Luke Richardson Kyle Davidson I love Luke Richardson I'm sorry look, I love Luke Richardson you look at what he's done with this team with uh, a roster that, I mean, if you look at it now, it's it's kind of comical. At CHGO, I have a running Google Doc that I'm calling Remember When. Um, <laughs> and it has things like when um, when Jujar Kara was the first-line center and when Boris Kachuk was on the first power play unit. And I just have this running list of things. So when this rebuild you know comes out the other side, we can kind of look back on what's happening now and laugh. But the thing is, this team has had every excuse this year to phone it in and just lose every game 6 nothing, and go home and just say, hey, they want us to lose, so fine, let's lose. This team has not done that. Most nights, they're competing very hard. Most nights, they're a difficult win. Um, they've got very few blowout losses. I know the last couple have been pretty ugly, and when you look at the roster, you can kind of understand why. But this is a team with only a handful of games left that has not quit and I think that has a lot to say about Luke Richardson because he kept them playing hard during the, what the stretch where they lost, what was it, 19 of 21? Uh, he kept them engaged, kept them enthusiastic, kept them playing hard through all the trade rumors and then the actual realization of Kane and Domi and McCabe and Lafferty and everybody being traded at the deadline. They could have mailed it in then. They played some of their best games of the year after the trade deadline. He's got this team playing hard. He's got them playing a simple system and buying into it. And uh, I, there's very few nights where I watch a Blackhawks game and we do the postgame show and I'm angry, right? It's more of like, well, you know, that's kind of what we expected. They're just not that good. They're doing their best. They're keeping games close. And I think that that's a testament to Luke Richardson. Yeah, this is the kind of year you'd really want. Connor Bedard is the reason you'd want Jeremy Colleton coaching the rest of the season. Because nobody would well, have any respect for him. They'd be crap. Yes. 
they they'd be the there there would be nothing. There would they would be soiling the bed, and that's what you'd want. So anyways, well, you know what? They're they're pretty close to that anyway. You know, they've got the third worst record. And after every CHGO show we do, every post game show we do, we go to the Tankathon website and we do like a draft like a draft lottery sim. Yeah. And very rarely does the team with the best odds get the best pick, right? They've got the highest chance percentage. Like if you were to hit it a hundred times, that team would win, you know, twenty five times or whatever, but there's no guarantee. Remember, when they got Patrick Kane number one overall, the Hawks moved up five spots to get Patrick Kane. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not you know, it's not like the Bears where you hope you finish with the worst record and you're guaranteed the worst pick. That's not how it works. Yeah, so, and they almost But I do want to be clear. I want to be clear on I know we have more fun stuff to talk about than the Blackhawks, if that's if you can even imagine that. Um they're not only rebuilding because of Connor Bedard, though. It's because the previous regime left them so uh, so bereft of talent in the system, uh, bereft of high-quality draft picks, that they really have no other choice to get out of this. Uh, and Stan Bowman's last year as GM, he tried to do the whole, like, let's make one last run yeah. and traded for Seth Jones and Marc-Andre Fleury and signed Jake McCabe, and they were horrible. So now this is sort of needed. It's necessary. They probably should have done this three years ago, but uh, I will assure people that aren't paying very much attention – it is off to a very good start. The prospects they have already are very solid, and things are looking up. Like it's not going to be next year or maybe two years, but in three, four years, you're going to see them, you know, knocking on the playoff door. Jason Waski talking pucks with me. CHGO, catch him on uh, every Blackhawks broadcast there, and the I'm Fat podcast. We'll get to that in a minute. But Sunday is the the organization that sports a racist logo on its sweaters has an issue with gays and won't be wearing yeah. their pride jerseys. So. I saw you rather calmly show, you show great discipline, whereas I was just angry because I think, I I just don't think the stench of Kyle Beach and the depravity of the organization and then Rocky's reaction, it's just, I I still smell it and it smells despicable. How are you, where are you on this idea that they've decided not to wear the, the pride jerseys out of a which seems like a BS fear of Russian players. So, yeah, so uh, there's kind of a timeline here, right? So the day the story broke that they're not going to wear the jerseys, um, we got wind of it, talked to some sources close to the team, and they said, yeah, you know, there's really this concern about Russian player safety. And you say, okay, like I'm not going to pretend like there's not an actual dictator in, (laughs) in, in, in Russia. Like that is actually happening. That's a real thing. But, you know, like just a couple nights ago, the Sharks had Pride Night and Russian players participated. And, you know, there's there's been Russian players all over the league that have that have shown their support or just worn the jersey um, during Pride Night and have not had any retaliation. They also had a Ukrainian uh, Heritage Night. They also had Military Appreciation Night. So Russian players have no, jer- no problem wearing camouflage jerseys in support of the American military. But it's a Pride jersey that's going to do it so... I was kind of like, okay, I see what you're saying. I guess you're erring on the side of safety, um, you know, which is a it's a fresh approach for the Blackhawks when it comes to their players. Like, hey, looking out for the best of them. But then the story <laughs> comes out, you know. But then, so here's here's so now what, what bothers me about it though is the team speaking through sources and not through their leadership, right? Like, if you're making a decision that's going to impact your fan base. Uh, and, and like you mentioned, a fan base that's already been scarred by the Kyle Beach thing. 
And yes, Sam Bowman's gone. Al McIsaac is gone. Joel Quenville is gone. John McDonough is gone. All of that is true. Okay. A couple months later, the Eddie Olchek thing happens. I think there is blame to go around on both sides with that thing. We don't have to rehash that, but that's another, you know, sort of a slap in the face to the fan base. The fans don't care. They're mad that Eddie Olchek's not there. Then you start to kind of recover from that. Then you've got this. It's like as soon as they start to regain the momentum of getting fan trust and getting people feeling good about what they're doing again, something like this happens. And the fact that Danny Wirtz and Jamie Faulkner have not addressed it directly, I think is shameful. Now, yesterday, Scott Powers in The Athletic uh, talked to Bill Daly, the deputy commissioner of the NHL, and said, hey, is there any like real threat to these players? Like, Have you heard this? And he said, no, we are not aware of any real threat to any Russian players for participating in Pride Night. So, you know, who knows what the reality is? I don't, I, like, I'm not going to flat out call them liars. Because um, I, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't, I, I try not to operate in black and white. I don't think the Blackhawks are just an evil organization trying to do everything evil that they can do evil, right? Like, I, I just don't think that that's reality. I've had conversations on and off the record with Danny Wirtz and Jamie Faulkner, and they seem like good, decent people, right? Like, I'm not, I don't think that this organization is like Dr. Evil in their lair, just like laughing at all the, all the bad things they're doing. But like I said, when you have a decision that impacts your fans and you have a percentage of that fan base that feels directly slapped in the face because of this, uh, it needs to be addressed by leadership and not through, not through sources. And, and the other thing that bothers me personally as someone who has to share this news with the fan base when the organization won't, because if you notice, they have not put out a statement about not wearing the jerseys yet. It's all been reports. It's all been you know news stories. But they have not said. They put a statement about how we do not tolerate any anti-LGBTQIA you know, plus comments or things like that. But they never mentioned not wearing the jerseys. They that are, needs to be handled by leadership. Jay, is cowardly and stupid acceptable? Would you describe if they're not evil in their lair? That's cowardly not to address it the way you said. I think it's stupid to make that decision. And I just have, I, I, they, every, the organization finds a way to, to make a mistake, to do something. It, it makes you remember how quaint it was that they wouldn't put home games on TV under the previous words. Right. This one well, looks even worse. Holders. Yeah. This one looks even worse. This is well, and he, dumber. And here's, here's the thing. And when I, when I was speaking to the sources about this, I was saying, listen, why the Russian players on the Blackhawks, are Nikita Zaitsev, who you took a draft pick back for getting, right? Mm. Ottawa was so desperate to move him that they gave you a draft pick just to take him. <laughs> Anton Hudobin, who is here for three weeks, he doesn't even care enough to change out of his Dallas Stars helmet and pads for the game he plays. And Philip Kurashev, who participated in Pride Night last year. So are the Russian players being scapegoated here? Is it a convenient excuse to protect maybe a different player on the team who doesn't know? I don't know. I'm not saying that's the case, but when you're not being transparent, you are allowing fans and media and people on social media to just wildly speculate. And when wild speculation happens, that's when, when speculation in the eye, we, we know, right? We've seen this happen over the last half a decade plus that rumor becomes reality to people because people don't know how to differentiate an opinion from a fact. 
So again, when, when there's a, Jay, Jamie Fogner should talk about this. When there's an absence of leadership, the way the black guys have shown, they, they've clearly abdicated any responsibility. You're right. The appearance of stupid becomes stupid in, in that void, and that's where they are. But more importantly— Well, and, the, and, and beyond stupid, it's—you're talking about, like, that, that spirit of, like, that, that, that spirit of evil— People feel that way. Yeah. Like when, when they see what happened to Kyle Beach, and again, the people in charge are no longer here, except for Rocky Wirtz, who, in my opinion, is in a diminished role. The Blackhawks refuse to say so, but uh, I, just look at the way they're operating. You never hear from him. You know, um, I, I don't know. It's, again, it's, it's two steps forward, 55 million steps back. It oh. is so, I, all I want to do, Steve, I is know. talk about the damn puck going into the net. Stop how, making news. How about if we talk about the March fatness brackets for yes, the I'm Fat podcast? Lord. Where are we on this? People need to vote. And what does being yes. independent mean? Okay, so, oh, that's a, that's not interesting to anyone. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a good thing for us. Don't worry about that. Okay, um, so the March the, fatness brackets. March fatness, yes. So uh, the Flabby Four is tomorrow. Uh, you can vote on the Flabby Four at I'm Fat Pod on Twitter. And I need, you know what, Steve? I have not even looked at the final results from yesterday. I got to see where we're at. Because uh, yesterday was the Elite Eight uh, ATE. Yes. That's how we spell it. <laughs> so, uh, so, participating this year, of course, is me and, and Rick Camp, the two hosts of the show. Uh, we have our craft bacon vendor, Charlie the Bacon Guy. He got a bracket this year. And the pride and joy, the apple of my eye, my 12 year old daughter, Addie, uh, literally submitted a resume. Uh, stumping for her opportunity to have a bracket. So here are the results of the Elite Eight ATE matchups yesterday. Uh, in my region, uh, the number two seed value menus uh, lost in an upset to appetizers for dinner, 59% to 41%. Okay. So appetizers for dinner goes to the flabby four. Uh, the Charlie the Bacon Guy region, the three seed tacos crushed the one seed donuts. 67 to 33. Yeah. Uh, the Rick Camp region, cheese uh, beat out hoodies, 61 to 39. And then in my daughter's bracket, uh, the nine seed, potatoes in all forms, uh, took down the six seed, chicky tendies, uh, 58 to 42. You go, Addy. So, all right. Yeah. So the, so the flabby four is appetizers for dinner, tacos, cheese, and potatoes in all forms. Someone striving to win, something striving to win, a <laughs> coveted place in the Onion Ring Hall of Fame. All right. Yes, the Onion Ring of Honor. Yes. Jay, I appreciate your time. Thanks for All right. Yeah, on. get those votes in. I'm Fat Pot on Twitter. There you go. All right. That's Jay Zawoski. Jay Zawoski from CHGO and, and the I'm Fat Podcast. I ran along with him. When we come back, I'm going to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to tell you about an auction you won't believe, and you could win something. You could you could buy something valuable, and you'll hear the legendary recording that was made on that item. I'm Steve Rosenblum, Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. It sucks, and it freebases. That voice, unmistakable, Les Grobstein. And next month, next month on April 29th, will mark 40 years that this was recorded by Les Grobstein. 
tell you one thing. I hope we get hotter just to stuff it up them 3,000 people that show up every day. Because if they're the real Chicago fans, they can kiss my ass right downtown and print it. They're really, really behind you around here. My ass. What am I supposed to do? Go out there and let my players get destroyed every day and be quiet about it for the nickel-dime people that show up? The don't even work. That's why they're out at the games. They only go out and get a job and find out what it's like to go out there and earn a living. 85% of the world's working. The other 15 come out here. Playground for the Rip them. Rip them. Like the players. Got guys busting their ass and those people boo. And that's because my ass. They talk about the great support that the players get around here. I haven't seen it this year. The name of the game is hit the ball, catch the ball, and get the job done. Right now, we have more losses than we have wins. The changes that have happened in the Cub organization are multifold. All right, they don't show because we're 5-14. and 14. And unfortunately, that's the criteria of them dumb 15% that come out to date baseball. The other 85% are earning a living. It'll take more than a 5-13 and 13 or 5-14 and 14 to destroy the makeup of this club. I'll guarantee you that. There's some pros out there that want to play this game. But you're stuck in a stigma of the Dodgers and the Phillies and the Cardinals and all that shit. All these editorials about say and uh, the Phillyitis and all that shit. It's sickening. It's unbelievable. It really is. It's a disheartening situation we're in right now. 5-14 and 14 doesn't negate all that work. You've got 143 games left. What I'm trying to say is don't rip them guys out there. Rip me. If you want to rip somebody, rip my ass. But don't rip them guys because they're giving everything they can give. But once we hit that groove, it'll flow. And it will flow. The talent's there. I don't know how to make it any clearer to you. I'm frustrated. I'll guarantee you I'm frustrated. It'd be different if I walked in this room every day at 8.30 and saw a bunch of guys who didn't give a They give a And it's a tough National League East. Lee Ilya with a legendary rant recorded by the legendary Les Grobstein on a legendary cassette recorder with a legendary microphone. And you can bid on that. I found this out through Rick Camfer's media notes column. You can find him on LinkedIn or on Twitter, Rick Camfer, Eckhart's Press. Bullock, B-U-L-L-O-C-K, auctioneers.com. You can go on April 1st and bid on Les Grobstein's microphone, recorder, and tape used in that 1983 Lee Elia interview. That cassette recorder and microphone, the whole setup, Les One's got an offer of thousands and thousands of dollars from Paul Canerco. 
He said, I'll buy that. I'll buy that off of you now. He threw a dollar figure at him, a lot of thousands, a lot of zeros in there, and less said no. It is now up for bid. The starting bid was $500. Even though the bidding doesn't start until April 1st, the current bid is $600. Now, I'm a little leery because the bidding starts on April Fool's Day. I'm going to mention that, but Matthew Bullock is an auction gallery, and that apparently is there. It's a really good joke. It's a really good April Fool's joke if it's not true. But your bid, you are bidding on the microphone, the recorder, the reel-to-reel tape, the tape used in the interview, and several pictures as proof, and you have Grobber's piece of history. I think this is hysterical, and that's... That gives us a chance to play the rant, August, April 29th, 1983. So next month we'll do it again. It'll be 40 years next April 29th. All right, take a break. When we come back on Saturday Suckage, we'll talk some bears with Josh Schrock of the Schrock and Awe blog. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Thanks for listening. Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. I was there.